what's it like to film a lesbian romance in a caravan park? Ella Ray Smith tells us all about it. So we were just semi-stranded in our little holiday park as a bubble, no signal, no contact with the outside world, telling this story and, and spending time together. It was one of the most magical filming experiences I've ever had. All this plus a feminist punk rock doc on Girls on Film from the Glasgow Film Festival. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film from the Glasgow Film Festival 2021. I'm your host, Anna Smith. Now, we always love being on stage at the festival, but this year, of course, it's gone online. And regardless of where you are in the UK, you can join till the 7th of March. Like my guests, who are also joining me remotely from their homes. In case you're new to the pod, Girls on Film is a fun feminist film podcast that shines a light on female film critics and filmmakers. My guests today are three fascinating women with work in the fest. First up is a debut documentary director who's made a film about her mother. Polly Styrene, I am a cliche, is about the groundbreaking singer-songwriter who shot to fame with the band X-Ray Specs. I'm thrilled to welcome Polly Styrene's daughter, Celeste Bell. Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I think... Oh, bondage! Up yours! My mother was a punk rock icon. People often ask me if she was a good mum. It's hard to know what to say. One, two, three, four! Do you think you're a rebel in today's society? Yeah, I suppose I am a bit. <laughs> Polly had her own ideas about everything. She didn't follow trends. She was a woman of colour in an industry full of white middle-class men. Nobody else was singing what Polly was singing about. I fell in love with her. I fell in love with the music. I actually started singing because of her. Well, Celeste, welcome to Girls on Film. Hi, thank you. And welcome to Glasgow Film Festival. I know we can't actually be there, but I feel like we are part of the festival right now. So tell me how it feels to be part of Glasgow. Really exciting. Um, really excited to have the UK, um, well, the world premiere, in fact, at um, Glasgow Film Festival. It's a great film festival. Um, our My co-director, Paul, Sung is also a um, Scottish-based filmmaker, so it was really special for us to to be invited to for our film to be accepted. Um, we also received some um, some support, some funding from Creative Scotland. Um, so yeah, big you know premiering at Glasgow. Um, has been really wonderful. Oh, congrats. It is a very special festival. Whenever I've been up in the past, there's a lovely, intimate, friendly atmosphere and there's so much passion for film. And we've really, really enjoyed your film, Polystyrene. I am a cliche. Congratulations. Um, I wanted to ask you, for those listeners that may be a bit younger and not as aware of your mother as some might be, a little bit about yourself and your mother. 
So, um, so I'm now, I can call myself a filmmaker because I've been working on this for quite a few years now. Um, my previous incarnation was as a um, singer-songwriter and I, I've also been teach, a teacher for some time. And um, my mother was a, um, no, was known mainly as Polystyrene. Um, and that was her stage name, a pseudonym. Um, and she was the front woman of a punk rock band called X-Ray Specs. Uh, but she herself had many incarnations throughout her life. Um, she was a Hare Krishna devotee. Um, she went by the name Maharani. And uh, she was also a mum. She was a mother to me. Um, and, you know, many other, many other guises and, and names that she went by. But that's, that's a good starting point. Hardly anyone knew my mum was Somali. I mean, most people in the 60s knew next to nothing about Somalia or Somali people. Even when I was growing up, they didn't. When I found out that Polly existed, that was like such a validation for me. I have a Somali punk icon to look up to. I was interested in her story because of the difficulties when you're growing up between cultures. When you come to a community, you always want to learn about the people who have been here before you, who pioneered and kicked doors down and flattened walls for us to come through. She certainly was an extraordinary woman, the total one-off, and I love how the film has so many very personal details about her life. And of course, you yourself appear on the screen. At what point did you decide to make it quite so personal and very much from your perspective as her daughter? Um, you know, it, the film kind of really um, went through a lot of changes. So the, the original concept um, was, I think the focus was more on my mum and, and her career and, and her experience in the music industry. But it really, um, you know, as we went on, we realised that actually the, the story of, of our story, so the, the relationship between my mother and myself was actually something we really wanted to tell and it was coming through. And um, already, obviously, because I was so prominent in the film um, in terms of narration and I was kind of the guide, I was take, I'm taking the audience to these various locations that were important to, to my mother and, and to myself. So. Um, the film just developed more um, in terms of, yes, we are telling the story of my mum's career and my mum's life and, and the music is really important. It's a really important part of that, but it's also the story of a relationship between a mother and, a, and daughter. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how the... It, it just it happened quite naturally and organically. Can you tell me a little bit about working with Paul, who you mentioned, and co-directing with him? How did that dynamic work? It worked really well. Um, you know, Paul had more experience, um, has more experience than I do, uh, because this is not his first film. He's made films previously. Um, so it was really great to work with someone who, who was experienced, and so I could learn um, a lot from. Um, and he was also very open to allowing me not just to learn but also to 
to really have free, you know, total freedom to experiment and to, you know, together we, um, we work really well. And obviously we both have different strengths and, you know, we're able to, um, what's the word? You sort of compliment each other in a way. <laughs> compliment, do you think, or, that's yeah. the word, compliment. It's <laughs> yeah. perfect. Yeah, we complimented each other, I think, definitely, yeah. That's really good, yeah. I mean, I've spoken to, we, on Girls of Home, we've spoken to quite a few women that co- have co-directed with men. It's quite an, off, an interesting dynamic and it can work really well because you both bring something different and a different perspective to the party. What challenges did you both come across during the process of filming? I mean, there are many challenges. Um, I think filming, there weren't too many challenges, in fact, because um, we ha- we worked with a great uh, cinematographer, Nick Ward, and, um, you know, we didn't try and do anything too fancy. You know, we we it was just sort of the three of us mainly out shooting um, in various locations. Um, and we didn't really have have any setbacks um, with filming. I think the, the challenges really were more to do with sourcing, uh, archive, and, um, and paying for archive is very expensive. Um, so that was more a bigger challenge for us than, than the actual the filming was was all the archive because the film it's you know what we try to do is to have a balance between contemporary footage and archive footage so you know we're constantly going from the past to the present um, and so we did need a lot of archive footage in order to really bring my mother's life um, story to life my mother taught me to love the sea for water is the beginning and end of life on this earth. I find a kind of solace in retracing her footsteps, barely visible as they are in the sands of time. July 3rd, 1976, Hastings Pier. It's my birthday and I'll party if I want to. 19 today. What a birthday surprise. Tacky Dayglow sign. Sex pistols. Market traders. Or my Freudian peers. Cockles, winkles and mussels. Never did like shellfish. I stand centre point in an almost empty ballroom. Three Swedish babes stared at Johnny. It must have been an emotional process and it's something that you obviously do cover in the film, but were there any particular moments you found shocking or revelations that surprised you in the process of, I know there's a book as well, so the book and the film. Yeah, um, 
you know, my mother was quite an open book in many ways. So I, I knew a lot about her story and, and I knew a lot about her past. Um, but obviously there's only so much you know about your parents, um, about, you know, what they were like before you existed. You know, so I had a very clear idea of my mother as my mother. Um, and, and all, you know, her, her past life was something I just heard in, in stories that she would tell me or my grandmother would tell me, or, you know, I, I just had fragments really. So um, I think interviewing people that knew her for the film, piecing all the pieces together, all the interviews, all the archive material, her writing, then I was just able to get this much broader understanding of who she, she'd really been. It's a very moving and it's a lovely tribute that you're doing because it feels like a wonderful tribute to her. As you say, you're piecing it together for yourself, but also for us in her memory. Um, what kind of decisions did you make in terms of what to include in terms of her, her own personal struggles? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, another big challenge was actually, you know, choosing what to include. And obviously you want to include everything. Um, and, you know, we, we had time constraints, you know, so if we could have told this film in 10 hours, that would have been wonderful um, to, to, you know, or a TV series where you could really go into depth into all of these very interesting areas of her life. Um, but I think, you know, we, we were helped by the fact that we had my mother's diary entries and that was sort of the, the starting point, definitely for the book and a very, very key element of the film um, were these sort of retrospective diary entries that my mother wrote in the early 2000s where she was looking back at her time in X-ray specs and when she was writing uh, the songs on the album Germ-Free Adolescence and she wrote a diary entry to go with each song and um, so that was kind of like a, a guide for us in many ways and so what we chose to include in the film um, was compatible and complementary to those sort of original diary entries and then my my narration was also kind of in many ways mirror, mirroring her own writing and her own uh, memories there. So that was definitely really helpful in terms of deciding what we wanted to focus on in the film. And a lot of what you do focus on does seem relevant today. And that's in some ways quite unfortunate because let's one would hope that we'd moved on in terms of feminism in terms of racial representation but there seems to be quite a lot that she faced which to a lesser extent women and women of color do face today would you like to speak a bit to that yeah um so you know some of the things that we look at um again in relation to her memories and and her lyrics um, include topics such as identity and um, and also uh, consumerism and you know capitalism. There are lots of things that we're looking at. And um, my mother's writing was and the, and the songs on Jeffrey Adolescence. A lot of them were like autobiographical. She was talking about her experiences and then a lot were just in terms of how she saw the world and the the, the way that the world was you know um the the trajectory let's say of global events my mother was really sort of um on the ball with that so 
identity is a really important um, part of the film and it's, it's also the title of the song and my mother was mixed race uh, half English half Somali um, and she really struggled you know in her early years with her own sense of identity um, with you know feeling that she didn't fit into any particular community and always had that, that feeling of being an outsider and um, and that was a struggle that she carried on, you know, carried through throughout her life. Um, and so it's it's really important, I think, because today, you know, there is still a lot of focus on identity, you know, in terms of the the conversation. Um, and there are still so many issues that haven't been resolved. Um, you know, so many people struggling continuing to struggle with the things that she struggled with. Um, so it's, I think it was a really important part of the, of the story to, to include. What do you hope that audiences will take away from the film? I hope that audiences can understand maybe a little bit more about the experience of being famous. Um, and you know, my mother wasn't, you know, the most famous person in the world. Plenty of people have, have never heard of her, but she, she had a brush with fame and it had a huge impact on her life, not all a bit positive. Um, and I think that is, you know, it's, there are so many kind of people who have, have a higher, bigger profile than my mom who are really struggling with fame or have recently really struggled with fame. Um, you know, people like Britney Spears, for example, Amy Winehouse. And I think, I hope that my mother's story really highlights some of the pressures that um, performers and specific, you know, many young women that, you know, uh, are facing um, in the music industry, but not just in the music industry, in the entertainment industry as a whole, and how we still have a long way to go to make that whole experience more healthy and less damaging. Very well said. On a lighter note, I'd just like to say I was so inspired as well by your mother's fashion choices and the way that she just did her own thing. And that mm -hmm. film really picks up on that. But it's not just about fashion. It's about just flying against the grain of trends and, and absolutely doing her own thing. And for me, that's a big takeaway. That was really inspiring in terms of her lyrics, in terms of her costumes, just absolutely following her instincts rather than doing what she thought she should be doing. Definitely. I mean, my mother, I think, you know, someone says in the film um, that she didn't follow trends, you know, uh, she starts, she started trends. Um, and that was because my mother just had a, a great eye for, you know, the way that she was writing songs, for example, where she was inspired by everything that was going on in the world. And then she kind of could pull those, all of that different inspiration into these remarkable songs. It was what she was doing with clothes as well. She was just, you know, finding inspiration from the most unlikely sources and then putting them together and creating something totally unique. What's your favorite outfit of hers from the from the film not that you'd necessarily wear it as we know because you have maybe slightly <laughs> different style but what's you know what's the craziest favorite outfit of hers 
I love the um, sort of the kind of sci-fi futuristic um, kind of thing she was going for when she was in X-ray spec. So the there's one she really liked the kind of 1960s um, sort of tunic um boxy kind of tunic dress there is a proper word for that i can't remember now but um like a tank is it a tank dress yeah i know what you mean like a a 60s tunic dress yeah i think that tunic is good yeah yeah so she loved she loved i think she used to make those herself as well my mum was quite a good seamstress she made a lot of her own clothes and um and so there was one that had like a, a english breakfast design on it so it was like eggs fried eggs and sausages and on a dress um i for me that's the the best you know the the fact that she came up with that idea you know english breakfast on a dress i don't think you could get more like my mum really (laughs) (laughs) that is perfect thank you for sharing that well listen is there anything else you want to leave us with um with regards to the film before we let you go just, I really hope everyone enjoys it. it you know, we put so much of, of ourselves into this film um, and I, I really hope that people enjoy it and find some inspiration in it. Well, Celeste, thank you so much for joining Girls on Film and best of luck with Polysiring. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Obviously, identity meant something to her because of the song. It was not only, I feel, talking about women within rock music, it was also talking about how many black women did you see on the front covers of fashion magazines. It was, in a way, I guess, up to us to carve our own identities. She was a woman of color working in an industry full of white middle-class men that had it all their own way. That was Celeste Bell. My next two guests have a delightful film in the festival called Sweetheart. It's a witty British drama starring Nell Barlow as AJ, a misfit teen who reluctantly goes on holiday to a caravan park with her family, including her mother, played by Jo Hartley. AJ's luck turns when she meets a lifeguard called Isla, played by Ella Ray Smith. I'm pleased to welcome Ella now, along with Sweetheart's writer-director, Marley Morrison. Well, we really enjoyed Sweetheart, and congrats on getting the film into Glasgow Film Festival. How does that feel, Marley? Yeah, great. I mean, Glasgow's an amazing festival. I'm super, super happy to be premiering there. Um, the programmers and everyone there has been so lovely and, and supportive. And uh, and yeah, like I'm super happy to have it in the UK as well, so... Um, yeah. Well, we're sorry we can't be there in person this year, but it's really nice to connect in another way. And it's had a fantastic lineup for the festival this year. Um, Marley, let's start with you. For people who haven't yet seen the film, give us a little flavour of what it's about. Um, yeah, okay. So, Sweetheart is a coming of age uh, comedy drama um, centred around a young lesbian who goes to a holiday park with her family. And, uh, and she's desperate not to be there. She's way too old to be dragged on a on a holiday with her family, and uh, and yeah, and she ends up having this really kind of 
a gentle, sweet romance with one of the uh, Holiday Park workers. Played by Ella Ray. Um, <laughs> and Ella, tell us more about your character from your perspective and, and what you felt when you read the script. Um, I, I think when I first read the script, I thought, OK, Isla is definitely the love interest here, but she's she's much more than just a sexy lifeguard hanging out at a holiday park. She has a lot of stuff going on herself and, and her relationship with AJ is as sacred to her as it is to AJ. It's a very equal relationship. It's not, you know, although although the film is through AJ's eyes, they're both kind of chasing each other, you know? Um, I kind of think I kind of looked at her loneliness and, and how much this one magical person meant to her. Because it's, it's quite a transient place, isn't it? A, a holiday park, you know, people just come and go and you make friends and then, they leave. I mean, that's we all make friends on holiday and kind of have that experience, but actually living there and being the only permanent thing in a transient place and then finding someone who really, really means something to you. It's like a, it's a very magical moment in her life as well as AJ's life, I think. Well, I think that's one of the powerful things about the film is that everyone remembers what it's like to form those intense friendships on holiday, wherever that may be. Um, Marley, where did the inspiration for the, for the film and the setting in particular come from? Um, okay, the, I mean, the film in general, I, I kind of wanted to do something that was um, firstly not a coming out story. Um, secondly, I wanted to do something that centred a young lesbian because my experience growing up, uh, all of the things that I saw were kind of rooted in a lot of trauma um, for the queer community and I, I really wanted to kind of do something that was a little bit more uplifting um, and kind of full of joy and, and hope um, and and that was kind of where my brain was in terms of the character and kind of a lot of making sense of my own youth I guess and kind of the, the nuances that, that go along with uh, being gay within a nuclear family unit or whatever and then and then the kind of holiday park stuff was really just me kind of thinking back on my childhood and and coming from a working class family like you spend your summers in these places and a lot of people can relate to those those places and for me they're they're quite magical spaces when you're younger um and there's something sort of really nostalgic and essentially British about them and um and I kind of just ended up combining the, the two things. Just because you're a lesbian now doesn't mean you have to dress like a boy all the time. What? Well, you, you can be gay and, you know... Here we go. Look like a girl. <sighs> like, what's her name? That lesbian actress that's... She's in that, um, that film where they all, they all get stuck in a room. Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. She's a lesbian. You'd never be able to tell by just looking at her. Hmm? She looks totally normal. Morning, my favourite ladies. Morning, Steve. Hey, AJ, how you doing? Oh, great. Sleep all right? Mix of these, bear. Yeah, right. <laughs> take it. Oh, April. What? Mm. Can you take the washing to the laundrette for me? Do you remember oh, where it is? Why do I have to do it? Just do it. I'll pick it up. Oh, yeah, I want the change. We're on a budget. We're on a fucking budget. Hey? Said it's good to budget. It is, there is a wonderful nostalgic and very funny quality. Congratulations on a funny script. I really laughed out loud many times. Um, 
and as you say, that kind of setting in the Holiday Park is very, is very evocative. Um, Ellery, tell me a bit about the shoot. I mean, that that's convincingly clearly a real Holiday Park, right? <laughs> it's so, so <laughs> real. So <laughs> I think about the first order a lot. It was, it was really our home for the entire shoot. We all lived on site. Um, I'd never been to Holiday Park before kind of wish I had as a child because it is so much fun and also as a crew to kind of be that intimate with each other to you know all be doing our laundry in the same little laundry room and be going to like the the weird discos on a Friday night or whenever they were it it kind of created this community element and also we didn't have phone signal which is probably the most amazing thing about the whole experience we were just semi-stranded in our little holiday park as a bubble, no signal, no contact with the outside world, telling this story and, and spending time together. It was one of the most magical filming experiences I've ever had, for sure. It was, it was I don't know, it's it one of those, those experiences on a shoot and you just think, this will never happen again. But it was so special and so magical. And I think, I think all of that energy that was behind the scenes comes across in the film, I hope. It definitely feels very intimate, I think. Um, yeah, and it made me reminisce even about, as you say, kind of quite bad holidays, just that sense of community, right? Everyone's going to the same disco, whether you like it or not, you've got no choice. And it's just something quite inherently funny and comforting about that in a weird way. Um, Marley, talk to me a bit more about, about your central character, AJ, because I personally, and I'm sure a lot of listeners will as well, when they see the film, found her very refreshing and not necessarily a character that we particularly see on screen very often, including in, uh, as you were saying, coming out films, she's very distinctive. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, as I say, like the, the character of AJ is kind of a combination of a lot of things. I mean, I grew up in a different time to AJ, so my experience is somewhat different, but um, my my intention was almost to kind of give the character an ending and, and kind of a, a semi-enlightenment that, that I didn't have until much, much later in in life um and uh and yeah as i say i think it's like it's sort of semi-inspired by the kind of awkwardness of of a lot of teenagers but yeah i think nell done a an amazing job like that's her first proper lead role so i'm, I'm super proud of her she's done amazing she's amazing yeah and, and she really inhabits that role and you two are great together LRA. are there any particular favorite moments during the shoot or um of the finished film with you together that are, are, are you look back on very fondly oh, i don't know there's there's something about nell as aj she's she was just so intriguing constantly you know she's the kind of actor that you're not you're not really sure what she's going to do next and that is so exciting and enticing to work with so kind of you know Falling in love with her on screen is piece of cake. Um, and off screen, she's fabulous. I feel like, it sounds weird to say it, but the intimate scene was probably like, it, it's hard talking about it because it's, it's, it's like the most intimate of all the scenes and it obviously is an intimate scene, but I, I've never filmed anything uh, like that or with that much care. I feel like we could have done it in a way with intimacy coordinators and uh, you know all of that stuff, but this is a super low budget film. We didn't have that. The way that it was handled for me as an actor was just the best 
experience. You know, I didn't expect to come away from doing something like that, feeling good about myself and not feeling self-conscious or like people have been looking at me or, you know, it's funny. It, it is a really intimate scene, but I have no concern or self-consciousness about it because of the way we filmed it and the experience of making it, if that makes sense. No, it's, it's very topical because we've actually just in our um, recent episode been talking with Rosamund Pike about in intimacy coordinators and about working with directors and their need for the respect and space and how different directors deal with it. I mean, Marley, I'd be really interested to hear your view on that and then your approach to the filming the intimate scenes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess I've never kind of, I'd never pr prior to that done anything that was kind of that... Uh, I wouldn't say it's graphic in any way, but, um, you know, sort of, uh, but, uh, but yeah, as Ella said, like we could have, you know, there are intimacy coordinators now and all of that. And, and, but it was a micro budget film and we were doing a lot ourselves and kind of trying to find our own way. And, um, and, you know, like, uh, I know what that feels like. And, you know, if you've had that experience as a young gay woman for the first time like you know what that feels like and I guess for me it was just about kind of getting that across to 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 both Nell and and Ella and 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 letting them run with it really and I think I think these things come down to trust a lot of the time and I think with both Nell and Ella trusted me which which I hugely appreciated um and I think it gave me more confidence to kind of give it back to them um so I feel like it was a real kind of meeting in the middle of of kind of minds and figuring it out uh, what we wanted to do and what would have been, you know, appropriate and at the same time kind of real and truthful and honest. And yeah, they're so great. Like I could not have picked a, two better people for the roles. Like so, so happy. Come on. Hold. <laughs> I always like to see you. What? He keeps looking at you. Really? Can't see your type. Um, I'm, well, I'm sort of not right here. Hang on, sorry, sorry. Cheers. Boys. Sorry, what were you saying? How long have you and Nathan been together? Me and Nathan are not together. <laughs> Shit, really? Sorry, I thought. Like that. Uh-uh. It happened once, and he seems to think it's some sort of sign. What do you think? I don't think there's any such thing as signs. Got drunk, bored, or horny. So what's your deal? It's one of those filming experiences that you... It, it was just weird. We whispered for an hour. We whispered. Yeah. Do you not remember that? It was literally <laughs> four of us, us, Nell and Emily, DFP, whispering in a room by ourselves. No one else came in. It was like this sacred space where we knew we were going to do something like the most intimate thing in the whole film. And it was the last scene we were filming and there'd been all this build up like, this is the, you know, this is the sexy scene. <laughs> but I think by that point, we got to a place where we all trusted each other a hundred percent. And yeah, I, I, I couldn't have thought of 
any director <laughs> better to do my first, <laughs> you know, full on sex scene with. So thank you, Marley Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely moment. <laughs> Um, now, you mentioned your female DOP. There's a lot of women working on this film, Michelle, the producer, of course. Um, Marley, is it important to you and is it significant to you to have a lot of women in the crew? Yes. <laughs> uh, in a word. Yeah, of course, of course. You know, like, we all know kind of how, how much we, we need to kind of try and change things. And um, Yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, listen we know how hard it is and we know how, how how much people are working out there on changing things for the better and for me you know we wanted to to have a very sort of female heavy crew from the beginning that was something that me and Michelle were kind of very very like keen that that was what we were going to strive to do and you know sometimes sometimes these things are difficult right especially if you're working at a really really low budget level um but you know, you, you you do the best you can, and, and we brought in some amazing amazing women at HODs, and uh, and then as well as that, I worked with some some men that I'd worked with previously that that you know I, I respect and trust, and and we kind of all worked together, and I think we had a great balance in the end. Really, we we did have a a lot, probably a lot more women on set than we did men, but but I think uh, yeah, I mean, I was really happy with the the end result for the, from the crew, for sure. It sounds like a good balance. And can we briefly talk about some of the rest of the cast? Because it's a great lineup, and Joe is just so funny and brilliant. And also in a role which I found convincing and also quite open-hearted. Do you want to speak a bit to that, Marley? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Joe is one in a million. She's she's an amazing woman and, uh, and you know, now a really, really good friend of mine, and I'm, I'm so grateful to her for everything. Uh, we were very lucky to get her in the first place. We, um, you know, we were really keen on on trying to get the script to Joe. Like I've been a huge fan of hers for for a long, long time. Sort of Dead Man Shoes. This is England. I was, I've been following her for for a while, and uh, and yeah, we just we just ended up really getting getting quite lucky with her schedule and 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 things in terms of nailing Joe. But she um, she loved the script, and we met and uh, and we kind of chatted about the character and. And I just think she's she's great, you know. She's one of the best actors we've got in this country, in my opinion. And uh, and I think her and Nell done a really really good job together. And she's just she's just wonderful. Like she's just she's absolutely hilarious, you know. Like it, I never ever would have imagined how funny she is. But she's she's one of the funniest people you'll ever meet. In Sheila, <laughs> she's good. I'm just I was thinking about. I was daydreaming about the film actually and the storyline and I, I, I just love that this film has AJ's mum in it full stop let alone that that, that is that whole relationship is is the other relationship we follow you know because so many coming of age films just there's just no parent and you know that's great but I think when you're making a queer film I'm talking about the issues that you decided to talk about with Tina and AJ and, and Tina's just, you know, trying to be a good mum, but not really understanding her daughter. I think that that is a universal feeling for people in the queer community. And I think like whenever I think of AJ and Tina, I think of the importance of that and the fact that, you know, I've, I've seen 
glimpses of it on screen, but not in this way before. Um, kind of, yeah, it's kind of like, this film makes me think of Lady Bird and Angus Songs and the Perfect Snogging combined. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's a good pitch. I like it. I think that'll give the listeners a, a good flavour of it. Is there anything else you wanted to speak about to flag up with regards to the film, your hopes for people when they see it in the Glasgow Film Festival? Um, you know, I guess I just hope that, um, you know, for, for the young queer community and specifically young lesbians, I hope they see somebody that they can, that, you know, is like them on screen. Something you know, that's something that I didn't have when I when I grew up. So just to have somebody that, that is visible to them that they can potentially relate to is 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 a huge thing for me. And then aside from that, just like being able to have a bit of joy, right? You know, it's very it's hard times at the moment, and I think we, all, we could all do with a bit of bit of uplifting and a and uh, and yeah. I just hope it brings some people a little bit of joy for an hour and a half. <laughs> Definitely. And also, I think what's kind of great about it coming out now is we're just coming out of lockdown and Glasgow is, is just a UK um, online screening. It's nice to kind of look forward to maybe another British summer or think back on our last British summer with, with some joy and nostalgia. Because I feel like every time people think of British summertime, it's like, oh, it's not as good, you know, go to Spain, go on holiday. But there are quirky, fantastic things about holiday parks in this country and adventures to be had in this country um i agree with you marley i think that this film definitely will speak to young lesbians out there but i think it will speak to everyone in some way there is an element in this film that has to touch someone if that's a parent if that's a child if that's i don't know i i just think it's kind of got a universal touch to it but I'm very biased. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? It's wicked. Is this what we're doing? Sunbathing. I've never seen anyone wear so many clothes to the beach. Yeah, I don't like the sun very much. You're sweating. Ew. <laughs> I think I'm quite hot, actually. Well, listen, what are you both up to next? When can we see your work? Marley. Um, well, I mean, obviously the, the, the film is coming out, Glasgow um, and some other festivals that we'll be announcing soon. Um, in terms of what I'm up to, I'm writing, I'm writing a TV series at the moment and um, just starting to work on my second feature. So yeah, I mean, this year will, we don't, who knows what, what will happen, but you know, Hopefully, uh, hopefully by next year, I'll have some stuff, some stuff happening. We'll be keeping our eyes on you. And Ella Ray, what are you up to? Um, I have two films coming out, but I don't know when. Um, one is Seance, uh, which is by Simon Barrett. It is a horror with me and Suki Waterhouse and Inanna Sarkis and Madison Beatty and a bunch of 
fantastic Canadian girls. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but I think it's going to be fun. And yeah, hopefully, you know, another just fun, joyful, enjoyable film for, you know, put a smile on people's faces during this never-ending lockdown time. Um, and also a film called The Lost Girls by Livia de Paolis, um, which is an adaptation kind of of the Peter Pan story um, of Wendy Darling. It's got Vanessa Redgrave and Jodie Richardson, Louis Partridge. So I don't know when that's coming, but um, that one's exciting too. Who do you play in that one? I play, it's kind of confusing. I play the original Wendy Darling's, the original Wendy Darling's granddaughter. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, it does. Yes, I get what you're saying. OK, well, that looks like one for girls on film. So uh, hopefully we'll be welcoming yeah. you both back on the podcast in the future. Yeah, thank you. Meantime, take care and best of luck with Sweetheart. Thank you so, thank you much. so much. That was Ella Ray Smith and Marley Morrison. So Glasgow Film Festival is running online till the 7th of March with over 60 world and UK premieres to watch at home. We've picked four more films you might enjoy from a feminist perspective. Two documentaries, there's Big vs Small, which is a doc about a female big wave surfer who has a surprising connection with another woman. Then there's Underplayed, which is about the situation with female DJs in the dance music scene. I love this. I used to edit a dance music magazine back in the 90s and it was interesting to see what had and hadn't changed in that world. Wait, is that true? You were in like a studio with these other producers and like they really didn't listen to your ideas because you're female and they're like, yes, that is what it's really like. There's Black Bear, a dark relationships drama with Aubrey Plaza. Fascinating from a feminist perspective. Definitely a conversation starter. You're awesome. Yeah. You're Gabe? I'm Allison. Oh, I know. I'm Blair. You're really pretty. You are too. And First Cow. This is from Kelly Reihart, who's fantastic. It's a wilderness set drama. Go to glasgowfilm.org to book tickets for these. Good lord, give me another. I'll give you six ingots for that last one. I taste London in this game. We have to take what we can when the taking is good. Seems dangerous. If you want to find out more about Girls on Film, you can find us on all major pod platforms and you can follow me on Twitter at Anna Smith Journo. And you can see all the links to the Girls on Film social media on there. We've also got a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Girls on Film podcast if you'd like to support us. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio producer Tom Wally. Assistant producers Heather Dempsey and Eliana J, and our partners for this episode, Glasgow Film Festival. Cheers for having us. You've been listening to me, Anna Smith, and I was joined by Marley Morrison, Ella Ray Smith, and Celeste Bell. See you soon. Stay safe. Joan of Arc was locked up for wearing the wrong clothes. She said, everything I've done, I've done at the instruction of my voices. Those voices probably should have warned her that she was going to be burnt to death.